0: Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news.
1: Well, praise the Lord and God bless you today. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and I am excited. i got my sisters from another mister in here with me. I've got Jennifer Bishop. Hey, how you doing, girl? I am fabulous. Also, I've got <laughs> Michelle A. Ron. Oh,
2: there we go.
1: I'm so delighted to be with you, Miss B. But <laughs> I'm the only one that can call her Mimi. Yes, you are. <laughs> and my other sister, the Jericho girl, Donna Hetzler. How you Ooh,
3: doing? I'm doing great. So glad. To be with the God Squad. I, I love
1: that title. I the do God too. Squad. And I mean, you know, Angie has just opened up so many doors for us she to go has. forth and mm-hmm. to do the things that God has called us to do. And you know, in, in what other industry can you do those things? There's none. I, I, Jennifer, you've you've been around the world doing stuff. OK, mm-hmm. how many industries are there that actually open up the doors so that people can do what God has actually called them to do? Gosh, I
4: don't even know of any besides this, that it, it's such a, an amazing if we follow what God wants us to do. I guess any industry, mm-hmm. y- you know, that you're not stifled, yeah. you could speak the word of God into anybody at any time.
2: Amen. And I would first two that come to my mind Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. Oh yeah. I you, love Michelle. what they do. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. love what they do and what they support with their, with their beliefs and and their employees.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, mm-hmm. and Donna Hetzler, you're always speaking the word of God over women's lives. And you've mm-hmm. got a, a conference coming up, the Overwhelm yes. Conference oh, coming yes. up, November the 4th. And, you know, t- with today's weather, it feels like it's already <laughs> November. I'm just saying. I'm
3: wearing boots and I'm in mourning. <laughs> I am not happy today because it's cold outside. <laughs> I want <ready>. my flip flops.
1: <laughs> oh, come on. And, I mean, some of us have already turned the heat on. I'm yes. not going to say fireplace. who that is.
3: I'll tell you, I had the fireplace on this morning. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes, I did. Okay, can I just go ahead and say that y'all are wusses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just saying.
3: Yeah. I'm good with that. I resemble that <laughs> remark. Okay,
1: all right, long <laughs> as you're good with it. And we've also got my, my brother from another mother, Mr. Mr. David in Woo-hoo! the studio this Yay! morning. Hi, Are you
5: Dave? I still have my flip-flops on. I don't, <laughs> don't care
3: how cold it gets. I've yep. <laughs>
1: Defy it. You have to defy the weather.
3: <laughs> That's right.
5: Trick my mind into believing it. That is warm.
1: <laughs> and now let me tell you who one of my most favorite people is. Okay, and and she's just this little blonde chick that, I mean, cute as can be. Just as That's cute as a button, isn't oh. she? Oh, cute as kids.
6: Now the kids, I'm going to say yes on that's for sure. <laughs> hey, you oh, just, are too.
4: Just I, say thank you. I Angie. am. I am, it, around, girl, I, I am walking around. I
6: am walking around in the lobby because obviously we've started the show, and uh, normally I host the show, and I'm w- walking down in the lobby, and literally I'm ta- I'm talking to my other company, and um, I do a show called Daybreak USA, and they're introducing me to the new host that's going to help do the show with me. You know, it's going to, that we're going to be co-hosts together. And so then you've got like your boss, the head of sales, this person, and then they're on like a, we just want to chit chat with you a minute. And you're thinking, well, I need to go up this elevator. (laughs) And they're in a conference room with me on speakerphone. And I'm like, and they're talking about, this is what we're going to do with the show. And like, this is like the future of your show and the new host that's going to be joining you. And you're like, you know, I I really need to go. (laughs) You know you're in a conference room with all your coffees and your delicious catered lunches, but... (laughs) And you want to go over all this now, but I have to run. So anyway, that's why I'm a few minutes late. So I'm going to have a new host soon. His all name right. is Ernie Brown. He's based out of Dallas. And awesome. it should good. be fun. really fun. Not for this show, for uh-huh. Daybreak USA that right. airs on many stations around the country. So yeah, and I understand we have a really cool good news story that, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, is one of my favorites of the week. And it has to do, and I, I, I think as Christians, we really need to take a listen to this and think about what we would do. I pretty much know what you guys would do if you got this letter. <laughs> do you know about the letter? Mm-hmm. Have you, okay, Dave hasn't told you. Okay. So you, get a, to you, so you get a letter. I'm just going to stand by, please. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a different chair, so you can't see me. Um, f- a letter, and it comes from a few doors down. And the letter is so heart-wrenching oh, and is asking did. for help. And I'm kind of in a pickle myself right now because there's a situation where I know there's a boy at school who could really use some encouragement and I'm a little bit fearful about how to get involved I already did somewhat get involved and go to the assistant principal and talk about you know what I'd seen et cetera and without revealing too much information I just think he's not being uplifted I think he's really um, I don't necessarily mean beaten down physically but really being beaten down emotionally from the things I'm hearing said to him and so um, today my son asked if he could take something for him to school and it was a specific item that you know, I get that the boy had maybe been had for two years or so really worn out. And uh, wow. I ha- I was giving this item to his sister and he said, could I take it to my friend, you know, and then he explained the situation. I said, yeah. And my son's kind of obsessed with things. So I thought that was kind of a big deal. He was taking Huge. Uh, an expensive thing to this kid that he could use. I just don't want to give a lot of specifics because I don't want Certainly. to really identify right. who he is um, right. because I feel like. He needs so much love now. And as a teacher, Michelle, I can't even imagine what you went through when you saw situations.
2: Teachers are 99.9%. In, in tune with that. Uh, I know so many teachers that have a bag uh, or a box or a basket of clothing or something that the kid can come in and pick out when he comes to school and then he can put them back before he goes home. Right, so that and no that one helps maybe them. knows. Yeah, exactly. helps them. So the right. family
6: isn't embarrassed right. or something. Alright, let's take a listen to this story. Again, the woman receives a letter and boy, I, I, I saw a shot of the letter and it's all handwritten, scratched out and it it's so heartfelt
7: for 37-year-old Marlene Brooks, a property manager from Park Hills, Missouri. This story came as a shock.
6: You know, just you come home from work and in an instant your whole life changes. That's literally what happened. It was
7: last April. When she says, a letter arrived.
6: I opened it, yes.
7: Such a heartbreaking letter. (laughs) Even five months later, she still has a hard time reading it. Yet such a heartfelt letter, she still carries it wherever she goes. It says, Mrs. Question Mark. Would you consider to become my friend? I'm 90 years old, live alone, and all my friends have passed away. I am so lonesome and scared. Please, I pray for someone. Signed, Wanda Mills. The return address was a house across the street and two doors down. A house so quiet, Marlene didn't even think anyone lived there.
0: The next day I went over there, and she
4: pretty much was kind of shocked that I came over.
7: It was the beginning of what has become a dear friendship.
4: Hi, honey.
7: Wanda is now in a nursing home, but Marlene still visits her at least four times a week.
4: Hi, how are you feeling?
7: She brings her husband and kids and all the energy that comes with them. So how has it changed your life? Well, it helped. Marlene says it helps her, too. Says she always regretted not spending more time with her own grandma, and this feels a lot like redemption. She even started a group called Pen Pals for Seniors to help end the isolation for others.
6: I mean, it could be any of us, and just nobody should feel that way, ever.
7: Sounds like you found a calling. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. How Wanda just happened to write that letter to the perfect person. What a coincidence, or not?
6: Somebody sent her.
7: Who sent her?
6: God sent her.
7: Wanda mailed a letter two doors down, but seems pretty convinced the reply came from above.
3: Mm, that's, I,
6: that's
2: great. I love incidents.
6: I love that. I love that. I just, uh, I, Michelle Ron would do that, by the way, because she <laughs> loves. <laughs> she loves Hallmark cards. Does it remind Ooh. you the guy in Minneapolis, uh, well, care did the story, and the guy in Minnesota, who's in his 90s, lost his wife of all these years, and then this summer he built a pool so he could lure the kids, all the kids to his backyards who wouldn't be lonely anymore. Oh, I love that story. Yeah, I wonder what he's going to do this winter. I, I want to follow up on him.
2: I bet I he has an ice skating rink if he's in that wood. Right, if he's, right, <laughs> he's going yard or something, right. you know, to
6: bring the kids over. It's so chilly there. Yeah. All right, so can you guys think of any incidents uh, or anything that, uh, you know, over? the years not necessarily exactly like this but where maybe you answered a call for someone that did need you know something I see my son starting to do that mm-hmm. with his uh, friend at school once mm-hmm. he figured out more about... At first, he just found his friend annoying, clingy, and emotional. And now he sees there's a lot more to his situation. Because I say to the kids, you don't know what's going on at home when these kids react the Mm -hmm. way they do. Sometimes you have to teach them how to be kind to others. Mm
1: -hmm. That's true. That's true. And, you know, when we reach out like that to people that aren't as fortunate as uh, as us to have family around us and stuff um, god looks on that relationship and he teaches you a lot through those relationships because i've got a sister up, up in in grand junction she calls herself my daughter she's a year older than me but she calls herself my <laughs> daughter hilarious. because um, she mama b mama b mm-hmm. because she knows i'm gonna tell her the truth mm-hmm. you know and that's mm-hmm. what we need that's what she needs Mm-hmm. And so she clings to me. She clings. To me. When she comes down to stay, um, she has to go to the VA down here. And when she comes down here to stay at my house, you know, the family just loves on her. But she knows that Mama, when Mama B comes around the corner, it's like uh, Mama B said, I got to go downstairs and just you know, rest. And she does that. And, you know, but people need that in a relationship. I hope there's going to be somebody when I get, mm-hmm. you know, older, when I get in my 90s, in my hundreds, mm-hmm. <clears throat> my God, I just <laughs> said my hundreds, you know, there's somebody will be there for me, because mm-hmm. that's so important that we embrace each other.
4: Absolutely. We, uh, it, Angie asked, you know, what experience and what came to mind was when my husband was diagnosed with ALS, and it was just so painful. And and what we had to do was to get out of ourselves, like stop thinking about us. And we started a a nonprofit, and it was called Extra Hands for ALS. And mm-hmm. Angie, emceed several of our events in this last weekend. So this was 11 years ago. In this last weekend. I went to a baby shower from one of our students. So we would team up high school and college students with families that had ALS. And they would help. Yeah, they would do the two hours of community service. And they thought, I think originally, that they were doing it just to um, fulfill a community service mm-hmm. you know, requirement to get into a college of their choice. But it became so much more. And I have these letters written about how the program changed their lives. and it was it was amazing and so i think when when we get out of ourselves out of our own way of our own pain and are able to help other people in the name of jesus mm-hmm. it's just it's magical. It's magical. God God
2: tells us to serve. Amen. To serve. We're here to serve. And Mm -hmm. and the organization that I became passionate about was MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers. And because in my day and age, a hundred years ago, when my kids were born, you (laughs) stayed in the hospital Mm -hmm. four to five days. I'm an only kid, never liked to babysit. I learned in the hospital how to take care of my new infant. Really? I literally did. I mean, how to bathe her, Mm. how to nurse her, how to do all that because somebody literally showed me how. You all, little young things here, you're in that hospital and out within 24 <laughs> oh, yeah. hours. Oh yeah, we I, have YouTube. It is you, oh, <laughs> it, exactly. how to bathe
6: my baby. Exactly. I had my mother-in-law who was definitely going to show me how to do it. Right
2: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But it's just appalling to me that we're supposed to know how to do that. And so I really do believe that our generations need to help each other. And my mm, gen, yes. my my passion began to nurture young moms um, because how else are they going to learn if that's they right. don't have family? And that's so right. many yeah, do not right. yeah. have any community system around them. Yeah, at all. their parents are. I've got a pretty good one. I got a pretty
5: good one along a, a story about this, um, and uh, it's kind of along the lines of how you just kind of find yourself in these situations sometimes. God thing. When I was younger, I was actually a little bit. Old. I was in my 20s, my early 20s, but I was older than all the other counselors. But I volunteered to counsel um, to take care of kids. At a summer camp for YMCA in Big Bear, California, and um, I, I was—I thought it was weird. I was kind of out of place the whole time. But one of my campers. Um, his name was Matt, and he uh, I didn't realize at first what was wrong, but he was just really sullen and sunken in, and we were going to crafts and stuff. And um, at that particular camp, you make these little door hangers. They're like bendy um, wire with these wood things, and you kind of use the <laughs> a wood burner to burn things in. Anyway, on the way back, this other kid's picking on him. And Matt puts his door hanger on the ground, stomps on it till it gets sharp and goes and he's like, Mm. I don't know what he's thinking. He's going to stab somebody. with (laughs) But I got in the way and I found out that it was like two days before we left for camp. His dad made the announcement that he was leaving the family and he was moving out. And so it was like this huge thing is, you know, a very emotional time for Matt and um, I you know, I got really upset because I thought I was going to stab one of my other campers, but I ended up having this big, long conversation. We really connected over it. My parents had left. My parents split up about the same time that his parents had. I was about the same age. Obviously, I was way older, and I had uh, gone through a lot of it since then, but uh, we just became so close, and mm-hmm. it was just one of those moments where I didn't realize... You know, I didn't, it was weird how I kind of found myself there, but then I realized that that's the reason I was there, I think, the of whole course. time. Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
3: Yeah. yeah. My love letter came from a mental hospital mm. uh, when my sister was admitted, and I couldn't talk to her for three days. And finally, I got on the phone thinking, I've got to encourage her, I've got to talk to her. And when I talked to her, she was crying, saying, They stripped me of everything. I have absolutely nothing. And I was trying to fight my tears and be strong for her. And um, but she she changed and her voice sounded strong and she said, but I have not been alone. God has been Mm -hmm. with me. And that was such a love letter to me, which God was saying, Donna, I love her more than you. I can I can care for her in her loneliest moments better than you can. Mm -hmm. And so that really spoke to my heart as a love letter from God Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in that very difficult time. Yeah, that's good.
6: Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) um, You know, I I was young when my brother went into a mental hospital Mm -hmm. and he was uh, in high school Yeah, and he already had some incidents that were really scary, like burning himself or, Mm. you know, running down the street without pants and like a fake gun, uh, like a wooden fake gun that looked real. Yeah, And just, um, you know, saying things that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so when I went in, they had him strapped down Mm -hmm. and, uh, they take away everything like your shoes. That's what they did to my sister. Yeah, pretty much Hmm. your clothes. I don't remember what he had on. He had something on, but uh, he was strapped down and his hands were really swollen and his feet were really swollen from being strapped down so Mm. uh, tightly. Yes. And so... I just remember as a kid, I was about 12, maybe, just being so disturbed by the visual. Oh, I'm sure. And you can go outside the room and then you see the camera scanning them repeatedly over and over again. Mm. And during that time, he had thought he was Jesus at times because the delusions they have when they're schizophrenic, how Mm. troubling it is. And I've always thought to myself, have such empathy for someone who in their brain hears another voice. Right. And I can't imagine what that would be if it's not the voice of Jesus and it's something that's harmful. And Beatrice knows my brother still, another brother who didn't that that brother was murdered, but another brother who wasn't killed who still suffers from a mental illness. He'll call me like late at night he called me at four o'clock in the morning on the weekend and he's like, you picked up. And I'm like, well I'm used to getting up early. And uh, he's like, I didn't expect you to pick up. And he's like "You know, the voices are back and they they say they're going to harm me and just want you to know that if I'm dead that I didn't do anything to myself that it happened to me so. and it's very mm. perplexing to me and you know I, uh, Beatrice has prayed for him with me and I'd send him a new bible that was very easy to understand I think it's called the message and it's just mm. a really mm-hmm. plainly written mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, he reads that and he says when he reads it that it uh, the voices do stop and I'm like well if that's your only weapon that reading. you have Amen. then just keep, keep reading. reading Yes, because I can't imagine what it would be like to have voices in your head mm-hmm. uh, consistently over the years that say that they They're going to hurt you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, remember, Jesus took care of that in the Bible. He this one young man came up to him and he had those voices going on, you know, and Jesus spoke to him. And those voices they had, they said to him, don't cast us out into the sea. Let us go into those
5: swine, those those swine over there. Mm -hmm.
1: And they went into the swine. Then the swine cast themselves into the sea. You know, but Jesus is the only way a person is going to overcome any form of illness, mental illness, emotional illness, physical illness. It's only by Jesus. And we have to recognize that. And that's why when we talk with him, you know, the, the main thing out of my mouth is, come on, let's let's pray, baby. That's right. <laughs> let's pray. Let, let's talk to Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life.
3: Yes. And we don't have all the answers, but we know no. the one who does. So that's, that's right. the mm-hmm. good news, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah that Jesus can speak life into, uh, mental illness, like Amen. Beatrice says, into um, your broken marriage, into your hurt, your past. Um, That's right. You don't have to be stuck there. He is He is the voice of change, and he can get you to that next step. So, Well,
6: Donna, you have a big, encouraging uh, women's conference. Can yes. you can tell us about Yay. that? Yes. Do I look
3: overwhelmed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us about hey, it. Hey, but you have a place that you can go. That's right. <laughs> I did that last year. I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed. I need to hear the speakers pour into my life. Yes, it is November 4th and it's at the Hilton Embassy Suites at the Denver Tech Center and we just want to encourage you. We want you to bring your sense of overwhelm and alter it. Bring it to God's altar and we are going to have you leave with a new sense of overwhelm which is God's great love. And it's not just a feel good conference for that day. This is going to equip you for the whole year long until we meet again. I have somebody who attended last year who texted me and she said I just want you to know one of your speakers had said something last year through her story of survival that stuck with me all year. And it's helped me to fight, um, to hold on to my marriage, to help me with my children, my family. And I have held on and I'm so excited to be there in November because I've held on all year long and I'm overwhelmed with God's great love. So that's our story that we're going to be sharing with you and equipping you with. Wonderful. Yeah.
6: Love that. All right. How do we, give give us your website.
3: JerichoGirls.org.
6: All right. Michelle Ron. Michelle at com. Jennifer. Livingyourpotential.com. Oh, I like that. I want to live my too. potential. Mm-hmm. Beatrice. Drillsergeantoflife.com. Excellent. We all have our own websites. Mine's com. I feel so important now. We oh, yeah. Our <laughs> yeah. own website. All right. We're, we'll be right back.
0: Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
6: Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where... YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining, there is the craft shop, they love the roller skating, there is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, tennis. Uh, We spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCAoftherockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCAoftherockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. Welcome back to the good news. Uh, well, very uh, thrilled to have Shimon Perez's son joining us. Emi Perez, and we are talking about his dad's book. Emi, I I understand your father finished this book just shortly before he passed away one year ago?
8: Yeah, he passed away on... He actually had a stroke on September 13, uh, which is tomorrow is going to be the the full year. And uh, he finished writing the book in uh, in August, just a few weeks before he passed away. It's a book that he wanted to leave uh, for the uh, next generation's. He wanted to, uh, uh, to uh, view his ideas and his vision for the future as a reflection of his uh, uh, life story, the things that he dreamt of, the things that he served, and the decisions that he had to take in life. So for me, it's an inspirational uh, uh, book. It's a voice uh, that continues on after he departs from this world. And we'd like to make this book um, available to as many people around the world.
6: And again, the book, No Room for Small Dreams, Courage, Imagination, and the Making of Modern Israel by Shimon Peres, his uh, son, Hemi, talking to us about that. And, you know, your father, uh, really one of Israel's most distinguished politicians uh, known around the world, respected by uh, many leaders of many countries, and and uh, this book, what what do you what what is what did he want us to learn from this book? Do you think?
8: Well, my father, in general, uh, believed that uh, we're we're in a, an era of transition from an old world to a new one. He believed that we're transitioning from a world of territories to a world of science and technology. And he believed that uh, in the old world. Uh, Greatness came from your ability to uh, obtain more land, more territories, natural resources, and cheap labor. But going forward, as innovation, science, and technology evolves, he believed that uh, we can become great not on the expense of others, because with technology and science, you can compensate for the lack of territory and natural resources. With uh, the ability to develop automation and robotics, you no longer need slaves. So there is really no reason anymore to build armies and go to war. That vision has to do with your ability to think about the future, to imagine, to dream, to be optimistic, to use a certain toolkit that he used through his life that was a journey from an old world to a new world. As a boy, he grew up in Poland in an ultra-orthodox house, just before his family murdered by the Nazis at the time. And he realized his dream, the first dream he realized was actually to come and live in Israel. And the second one is to build a house in Israel, and of course, uh, founding a nation. And then he started to serve this nation, to make it uh, secured, to make its economy flourish, and to bring it to safe harbor where it will rest with other nations in peaceful area collab- collaborating with others and allowing every country and every society to become great not on the expense of others
6: so that maybe, is the voice i mean maybe yeah. people don't realize really i mean the accompli- accomplishments of your father many people you know, not understanding how he really came up from from nothing. And I don't mean nothing as in his parents were nothing. I mean nothing as in his parents taken from him, and so a self-made man, per se.
8: Yes, he had a remarkable life. Uh, he came really as a young man, but very early in his life, he was identified by the founding father of the state of Israel as a, as a great talent, and he adopted him and actually gave him a lot of responsibilities because Ben-Gurion used to say that his door is open for Shimon Peres because every time he knocks on the door, he knew that three things will happen. First of all, he knew that Shimon will never ask for anything for himself. Secondly, he will never badmouth or tell a lie. And thirdly, he will always have a great idea. So he gave him the credit to operate. And my father basically built the greatest uh, projects and the greatest works in Israel. It's a phenomenal string of achievements through his life in the various areas uh, of his uh, responsibilities. And I'll give you a few examples that okay. actually is writing about them in the book. Okay. Maybe the biggest one, uh, maybe the biggest one is the establishment of uh, Dimona, the Israeli deterrent facility in the south part of our country, which actually secured Israel in a very hostile environment. He was the founder of the military defense. He created the Israeli aerospace industries, um, and he created Rafael, which is the uh, advanced technology for missiles. Um, He introduced computers and science and technology into our military and made Israel strong militarily, becoming one of the uh, strongest powers in the world. Then as prime minister, he actually saved Israel from uh, an economic calamity. Israel was facing 400 400 percent inflation rate. My father, within 12 months only, managed to reduce the inflation rate from 400 percent to zero. And then, recognizing that our economy is not sustainable as long as it is not global, he actually launched what Israel is known today as the Startup Nation. In the Startup Nation concept, there were two ideas. One is to open up the country and invite global enterprises to come to Israel and innovate in Israel with our, talent, uh, with our talented engineers. The second one is to endorse entrepreneurship and allow our young generation to uh, basically create uh, startup companies in many areas, in many technology sectors. Uh, Today, Israel has 350 global enterprises operating in Israel, from the greatest companies in the US to the greatest companies in uh, Asia Pacific. Uh, In addition to that, we have 6,000 startup companies in Israel. We really became known as a startup nation Mm-hmm. Uh, the last chapter in his life, after he secured the defense capabilities and our economy, was dedicated to pursue peace. And he was instrumental and took part in the peace agreement between Israel and Egypt,
3: mm-hmm.
8: between Israel and Jordan. And he also laid the foundations for the future agreements that we will have with the Palestinians, to which he earned a Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. His life is full of achievements because he's the only person in Israel that was both prime minister and president. He served in any possible position as a minister, from defense to finance to foreign affairs and many other positions in the Israeli government. Mm -hmm. He traveled the world, he met world leaders, and he was highly regarded as someone who promoted... A global peace among nations. He was a thinker. He was an author of many books, uh, and he was an outstanding man that was both appreciated and loved by his peers. He lived 93 years. Yeah. And this is actually the 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 last book, and the first one that he actually wrote about his life. Now, Angie, you need to understand it was not. Uh, an attempt to write an autobiography, okay. or a memoir, or a memoir. He shared his peaks in his life in order to teach the those who are young in age and young in heart, those who are leaders and 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 plan to be leaders, or want to influence others, that if you want to be a great leader, you should serve a great cause, ah. you should have great, and you should fulfill your dreams. Beautiful. And just before he died, he knew just before he died that his days are numbered. This is why he was anxious to read the book, and I'm, I'm so grateful that he managed to finish the book. And he also wrote an epilogue where he actually says goodbye to the world, and he talks about the things that he loved in our country and the things that he loved in life. And he's also doing some kind of an accounting, saying how much time he received when he received his life as a present— he said that every second he wanted to influence and contribute to the world. And he leaves the world with no regrets besides one. The only regret that he had, he said, after 70 years of existence of the state of Israel, when he saw where we had come to, the only regret that he had that he did not have many more dreams in the early days and greater dreams. And when he said that, he actually thought about the title of the book, and he said, I want to call the book No Room for Small Dreams.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: And this is an inspiring book for everyone who wants to achieve meaningful life, to save great causes. He gave us one warning. He said, use all the tools I used. Be optimist. Look at the future. Forget about the past because you cannot change it. Be, uh, uh, don't be afraid of setbacks. Continue and cross a desert if you need to reach an important goal. But most importantly, be aware that if your dreams are not great enough, at the end, you might be disappointed or you might regret for that you did not have greater dreams. I think this is a very inspiring book. And when we spoke about the book, he really wanted this book to reach every person that he did not have yet an opportunity to meet with ah. or talk to and speak his vision. So this is his voice after his physical existence and this is why we want to echo this voice and we want this voice to be heard clear in the US, in English, mm-hmm. in Europe, Asia Pacific, in Latin America and across the world in Africa and of course in Israel and many other countries and that is that is a will that is his wish and for us it is also a command
6: Hemi, i know we don't have a lot of time left but um there was a quote uh, in an article i read that uh, about you talking about your father it said my father strongly believes that uh, the hidden treasures within ourselves are far greater than anything found on the ground you know what we have inside of us all that power i'm curious what was he like i know he was a great man a great leader a great innovator what was he like as a father? What is a fond memory you have of him as a father?
8: So as a father, he really was an inspiring father, the, the, the kind of a person that never tells you what to do, what is right and what is wrong, but share with you uh, views and vision and ideas and books that he read and conclusions that he had in his life. was a great uh, storyteller. I remember days when I was in uh, military service uh, which is uh, tough, and uh, uh, I was participating in a course that was very, very uh, complicated and very tough. And he used to write me letters, and in those letters he would say things like, uh, "You are doing something important. That you should be, you should be thinking about the future. You should imagine uh, the end of the road, and you should know that what you are doing is so important that it deserves." the desert that you need to cross. So he was strengthening us and guiding us in a way that is inspirational and not in a way that is more uh, ordering directly or telling us what we should do and how we should live our lives. He trusted us, uh, his children. He said, you should believe in yourself. You have the capabilities that you don't even know exist. Uh, choose your way, serve a great cause, dream, and be optimistic above all. And from time to time when things were tough, he would say, there are no desperate situations, only desperate people. So don't be desperate. We can overcome any obstacle. And, and he was a living example. Even though he faced a lot of uh, challenges and setbacks in his life, he never gave up. He never quitted. He never became cynical. He managed to keep himself as the greatest optimist in the world. And for me, he was also a man that knew how to live. Mm-hmm. Every second of his life was very well used. He did not waste time. He did not waste time on the past. He was not insulted by people he chose not to be insulted by. He was a master uh, of uh, the right way to live and the right way to achieve a meaningful life.
6: You must miss him.
8: I encourage, I, I encourage everyone to read the book. It's the, the book is fluent. The book is short. The book describes an unbelievable journey of a single human being that managed to achieve things in his life that maybe hundreds of people would not achieve in one lifetime and learn from his experience. And you, when you read it, you need to have your eyes into the future and not mm-hmm. into the past.
6: You must miss him.
8: I miss him a lot, not only myself. Tomorrow we have uh, at the Paris Center for Peace and Innovation a gathering of friends from all over the world. Dr. Kissinger is traveling specifically here oh. to pay tribute to my father. Uh, they're going to be dignitaries from all over the world, heads of companies, heads of states, people that work with him, people that loved him and adored him and admired him. And we're going to spend the whole day talking about his legacy, talking about what we should do into the future. We're building now uh, a center that will inspire the world to use his vision and his ideas how to travel into the future safely and make a better world. We will showcase Israel as as a state that can become great not on the expense of others. Uh, We will showcase his life and the journey that Israel took uh, through the last 70 years. And we hope that we will not only showcase it to everyone who visits Israel, but we will also be able to inspire the young generation in Israel. And above all, we are calling upon friends around the world to join forces with us. We'd like to build centers of this nature in other countries, in other cities, and inspire the young generation to create a better world with science, technology, vision, and the moral values that he adopted.
6: Well, what a blessing, Hemi, to, you know, uh, have someone, uh, you know, a role model, a father like your your father to be yours, you know, to be able to raise you and to inspire you so much, uh, uh, I've never been to your wonderful country, but my friends that have speak so glowingly and so highly of the country in general, uh, the people, how warm they are and their sense of security when they're there. There've been multiple times in me covering the news over the last 20 years of uh, people saying, well, in Israel, they would have handled it this way. And they say that with admiration of how things are taken care of and that, um, there's a, I feel a a lot of political correctness now and uh, fearful of addressing things sometimes in my own country and just acting and protecting the people. And a lot of thought goes into like, well, how should we handle this in a politically correct manner? Whereas sometimes security and safety have to come first. And I really admire how your country protects your people And uh, I really uh, admire the legacy that your father has left behind. And I I feel it was a real privilege for me to be able to discuss your dad um, on the show. So thank you so much. Again, the book is No Room for Small Dreams, Courage, Imagination, and the Making of Modern Israel. Uh, uh, Shimon Peres' son, Hemi, joining us. And Hemi, any parting words?
8: Yes. One correction and one invitation. The correction is that my father did not leave a legacy uh, behind him, he left a legacy uh, in, in front of us. <laughs> That's good. That's the first correction. Yeah, That's the first that. correction. That's good. The second one is you have an open invitation to visit us in Israel, and one word of cautious. When you come to Israel, you will realize that what you imagine is much less than the reality that we managed to create in Israel. Uh, And that's the message uh, of the book, No Room for Small Dreams. Come to Israel, make it a dream come true.
6: would love that. Well, thank you. What a blessing uh, to have this interview. Really appreciate it. And uh, just thank you so much for taking the time to share these beautiful words of your fathers.
8: Thank you so much. 238 Jane. You call them and they'll pick up
7: whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep. absolutely.
6: Uh, small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the ma'am. number? 303
8: 238 Jane.
6: Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303 238 Jane. 303 238 Jane. Arcdrift.org. Does cool. uh, Arc make you feel special? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought so. The are special. Arcdrift.org. As dot are org. you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for Arc? I love Welcome back to the good news. Well, did you know that country music superstar Luke Bryan is the son of a peanut farmer from Georgia? And Luke Bryan launched his annual farm tour back in 2009 as a way of highlighting and celebrating the contributions of America's farmers. And for the third consecutive year, Bear is the title sponsor of the tour that will highlight its Here's to the Farmer campaign. And here to talk about that campaign is Ray Karens. He's Senior VP of Corporate Affairs for Bear. Welcome, Ray.
0: Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about Here's to the Farmer.
6: So tell us about this Here's to the Farmer campaign. It sure does sound good. And uh, many of us uh,
0: are very appreciative of farmers. So what's this all about? Angie, as you mentioned, a few years back, Luke started his farm tour. And the whole premise was to celebrate the American farmer. When we got wind of it a few years back, we thought, what a great opportunity for Bear, who, you know, we have such a strong history and agriculture uh, to partner with someone uh, so wonderful, like Luke Bryan, who, as you've mentioned yourself, grew up on a farm as dad's a peanut farmer. So together we've come up with just some, a terrific program called Here's to the Farmer. And the whole idea is to celebrate the American farmer. I mean, that's why Luke Bryan does his farm tour. Here's to the Farmer offers us an opportunity. Uh, if you go to here's to the farmer.com, you'll see a lot of information about farming and the folks hashtag here's to the farmer there will donate a meal to a hungry American.
6: Oh, I love that. Okay, how many uh, meals uh, were donated? How has how this uh, program gone so far?
0: We, the program has been incredibly successful. You know, Luke, Luke Bryan himself, uh, when he first found out about it, we brought it to his attention. He, he loved it, and he himself said, you know, he's been out there. We've got a public service now, so you can find out on on the on the actual website of heres the He himself is asking folks, his fans, to get involved. And so three years ago, we started it and we donated 300,000 meals and Sheesh. that went pretty well. And then we said, let's see what we can do the following year. We went up to 500,000 meals and I'm happy to report Angie this year. Our goal is a million meals, a million meals to hungry Americans. Wow. That's pretty impressive.
6: Now, how did you get teamed up with Luke? I mean, it sounds like the message was similar. Uh, so how did you um, end up in becoming partners in all of this?
0: It's, it's actually kind of a very funny story. I was with a friend of mine who uh, had come to me and said, Hey, you know, I know you guys do a lot in agriculture. I hear that there's a farm tour going on and you guys, you only make an introduction and they did. And the, the second I met Luke and we, we sat down and we said, okay, how, how are we going to do something together? Um, and we found out that, you know, Luke understood bear pretty well, growing up on the farm. He knew about our agriculture division and it's been nothing but a terrific partnership since uh, we're really proud to be working with him you know, it's one of the things that we're doing on each stop of the farm tour as well. We're going to be working with local food banks. So besides the hashtag and here's to the farmer and the million meals we're giving away, at each one of our farm tour stops, uh, we're also going to be donating thousands of dollars towards local food banks. And the whole concept again comes back to celebrating the American farmer. The idea of how farmers produce our food for us, the idea that when you walk into a grocery store, you have, you know, great nutritious food or milk or, or produce you have the great meats there that our ranchers and farmers all across America are producing for us. So let's celebrate them. Let's remind folks where this food is coming from. So let's celebrate our farms. And again, here's to the farmer.
6: All right. Now, in terms of uh, where the tour will be going this fall, can you give us some of the locations?
0: Absolutely. In fact, we're real excited that, you know, while I'm coming to you uh, from our our studio here on the East Coast, you know, within a couple of days, I'm going to be on the farm with, with my boots on and we're going to start from Lincoln, Nebraska, at the end of this week, September 28th, going to Kansas and to Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri. We're real excited about this. In fact, in each of those states, um, we have the governor has signed a proclamation for every single one of those those tour stops. The governor of each of those states has signed a proclamation for here's to the Farmer Day. Again, helping us extending this program to an even higher level, it's helping us celebrate the American farmers for all they do for us.
6: I love this idea with the whole hashtag, here's to the farmer and donating to local food banks and really getting involved with the community. I think that's wonderful. So where can we get more information?
0: Here's to the farmer.com is a terrific site. Anybody can go and check out. You'll find a lot of great information about both the farm tour, about the initiative that we're doing for feeding hungry Americans, but you also find some terrific stats about farming. I don't know if folks even realize, but 83% of the food grown in America is consumed by Americans, and that 97% of the farms are run by family farmers. So there's a lot of great information out there, and here's to farmer dot com. And again, don't forget, here's to the farmer. The hashtag, hashtag here's to the farmer. You you hashtag that. Bear will donate a meal to a hungry American.
6: I love it. Good work, Ray. I love the campaign. Appreciate your time today.
0: Thank you, Angie. Really appreciate the chance to talk about it.